Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, Atlanta, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is sponsored by CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsourced IT consulting and integrated solutions. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh. And with us in the studio today is Michael Dougherty, CEO of LabMD and the Cyber Education Foundation. Welcome, Michael. How are you? I'm well. Good to be here. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time from your business schedule to be with us today. And let's kick off the show and tell us about what you do. Well, now uh, I run around the world telling the story of, of cyber regulation and, and, and what the government has, how they conduct themselves and, and the ins and outs of dealing with, with regulators in, in uh, cybersecurity. And it, it, it has sprung out of my company that I founded, LabMD, which mm-hmm. is a cancer detection center. Mm-hmm. So now I'm an advocate and a writer and, and a nonprofit uh, uh, founder on cyber education in the business community. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge topic because, I mean, it's ongoing in the media with companies and what they need to do to protect themselves from any sort of uh, attacks. So uh, can you talk about um, what LabMD was? Yeah, so LabMD, I founded, um, I worked in medicine for years, so here I am, life is a strange, uh, strange uh, I don't know river, but I here I am in cybersecurity, and and but I started out with an economics degree, working in medicine, working in surgery, selling devices, and in the '90s I founded a medical laboratory, and the laboratory was supposed to be a real vertical niche, just working on prostate cancer. And what we did is we physicians, urologists specifically from all over the country, mm-hmm. Federal Express blood, urine, and tissue to our laboratory that was in Cobb County a 26,000-square-foot beautiful lab to analyze. And the differentiation was that we were only focusing on on urology, and we had uh, two of the top physicians in prostate cancer, pathologists, reading the tissue. And we had a technological difference that we would... um, we really launched real hard on this in 2003 when, mm-hmm. when doctor's offices were moving from fax lines for Internet access mm-hmm. to broadband, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, interface with their office phys- uh, management software so that, we would th- so that the nurses and the staff wouldn't have to handwrite everything, that we'd have much clearer information, and we'd have their insurance uh, information of the patient. That would help us direct the, pa- the specimens to what lab... Mm-hmm the insurance carrier ordered. We could take about 80% of all that. So by organizing the 20% we couldn't take, we basically handled everything. Mm-hmm. So the, the customers used us for convenience, speed. They had access to a database immediately, so the patients would get the results much faster mm-hmm. because once our pathologist hit release, mm-hmm. it was available. And that's important. Case. It was I fast. Mean, even nowadays at some doctor's office, they'll tell you, we'll get back to you in two weeks. So some of them, I guess, still behind the eight ball. Right. Well, that technologic, te- technolo- technological advancement mattered. It actually matters less now because medicine has moved more to a uh, quantity and price model instead of quality. And so, so we've, we've thrown it in reverse in a sense. For those ancillary services, you tend to have to 
wait longer because uh, insurance carriers negotiate a lower price. So you're with a bigger lab and right. it's a longer line. It's all sorts of behind the scenes things that have changed things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we really uh, did extremely well. And uh, we, I did, wasn't concerned about market share. I was concerned about quality and, and profitability. And we were private and debt-free and po- profitable. We, mm-hmm. had, we had physicians offices from all over the United States. Wow. So you've spent the last decade uh, defending your company against charges that it had deficient uh, cybersecurity practices. How did your fight with the Federal Trade Commission start? So it started like a movie or a TV show. <laughs> I mean, it was, I and mean, we were just humming along in 2008, and one day in May, out of the blue, it just terrifies every business owner. The story I'm about to tell you, the phone rang, mm-hmm. and it's just a phone ringing, and your life has changed. The guy says, hi, my name's Robert Bobick, and I'm the CEO of a company called Tyversa in Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and we do cyber remediation, and we found one of your files with 9,000 of your patients out in cyberspace. Oh now, this was 10 years ago, so you can just imagine. This is before, I think now the world has become numb. Mm-hmm. When when Blue Cross loses 90, 90 million patients, we're like, oh, well. But back then it was 9,000, <laughs> and we're freaking out because we're a relatively new company. We do technology. We're, we're like impossible. And, and although we're in medicine, technology was really our lead differentiator. So here I have four people that work on tech in and, and a 40-man company which is a big percentage of in-house people for a company so small. And and uh, we're looking all over the place. And he said, well, it probably came from a peer-to-peer network. Uh, and we found one employee had LimeWire on her workstation, and she was using it. Mm. She didn't download it because it was there before she – It was. we found out from the stub installer. It was installed two years before she worked for the company. We actually, to this day, don't know how it got there. We highly suspect it was purchased that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't have a lot of internet access for our staff. Almost all staff didn't have internet access or email. Mm -hmm. So we only had it in the billing department. And um, so we got refurb computers from Dell. So, uh, you know, we never know how it got there. But bottom line is we got rid of LimeWire. We scoured everywhere. We looked for it out in cyberspace, out in all networks. Couldn't find anything. Everything was closed down. File was removed. Mm -hmm. And he sent it to us that he did have it. Well, we believe he came in and took it, but we couldn't prove that, and he's not going to admit it. We just want him to go away. We never had a victim. Nothing ever happened. He kept trying to call us to have us hire him. He wants to hire him to the tune of forty grand, and I just I come from a I come from a law enforcement family in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I and and my parents were both Detroit police officers when they met, and I guess that gives me some sort of instinct. I knew this stunk from the beginning. I thought it was an extortion racket. I wouldn't pay him, and he said he was going to turn us over to the Federal Trade Commission. Mm-hmm. And he did, because two Whoa. years later, the Federal Trade Commission contacts us and starts a non-public inquiry. Now, you have to understand, in business terms, two years is a long time. Mm-hmm. In government terms, two years is overnight. <laughs> so, <laughs> these people do not miss a break. Right. And so they start a non-public inquiry. And I'm very naive to this at the time, because our health care uh, inspectors and, and licensing people in Georgia were fantastic. Mm-hmm. We still loved the lab inspectors and HHS. We got along great with everyone because, and now in hindsight, it's because they were actually medical professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not out to, we were not out to cut corners or scam anyone and we follow the rules. Our, our last inspection was a perfect score. So mm-hmm. we were dumbfounded by the behavior of the Federal Trade Commission coming in, treating us like we were felons. Right. They never stepped into the lab ever. They never came to Atlanta one time. Okay. 
and we had to send them tons of stuff. And what they what they wanted was a consent decree, and um, and and a consent decree is um, is an agreement with um, is an agreement with uh, the government, and it's really just a contract. And a contract is any you know a contract's a contract with anyone. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they get you to sign this agreement. That you will agree to allow them to inspect you at your expense for two decades, and they put a press release out giving the impression that you know you've done something wrong because mm-hmm. they'll trump up the headline, and so everyone thinks you've done something wrong because what business person would sign a two-decade uh, audit agreement without doing something wrong? Right. And deep in the bottom of the fine print says you admit to no wrongdoing. See, this is a reputation killer, especially in medicine. So mm-hmm. I couldn't sign it. And they didn't understand that because these are just lawyers with no tech training, no medical training. Mm-hmm. So I was in a nightmare of regulatory because they just wanted to use this as a head on a spike. And I didn't believe that our file was out there. Mm-hmm. So I started investigating and I found out that Homeland Security had given $24 million to Dartmouth. This is in 2010 and 11 at this mm-hmm. point. And because I wanted to find out what we did wrong and what we had to do right. And the government wouldn't tell us what we're supposed to do right or wrong. They just say, well, you're supposed to act reasonably. And I's like, well, what does reasonably mean? That, that's, I mean, and why aren't we doing reasonably? Is that perfection? And anyway, they wouldn't tell us anything. They, they just wanted us to hand us over everything. And their lawyers were like, just, just don't upset them. Just mm-hmm. give them everything. So you feel like you've got a gun to your head and you're trying to figure out what you did wrong. So I start inspecting it, and 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 I and I find out that the they're giving the money to Dartmouth mm-hmm. to do studies on why government employees and healthcare professionals are leaking data through peer-to-peer networks without without knowledge, mm-hmm. and, you know, accidentally. And the person they're using is the guy that called me to try to extort me, <laughs> Robert Bobak. And I'm like, wow. okay, this is like a movie. And on his advisory board is General Wesley Clark and these other big dogs. And I'm like, this is this is nuts. Mm-hmm. And um, long story short, I took a hard time convincing my lawyers what was going on. And then I flew in a very high-end specialist lawyer from Dallas, and he did a lot of research. And he said, mm-hmm. you know what? You never had a legal breach here. Mm-hmm. Um, your stuff was taken. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence in cyberspace. The only people that have it are people that are working for the feds. Mm-hmm. Now, try to tell people this at the time, right? They think you're, you're, you're nuts. So, you have to, so I was very frustrated because basically no one believed me. I mean, you're you're a, you're a serious professional person that does cancer diagnostics, and you have a good reputation. Suddenly, people think you maybe need an extended vacation because mm-hmm. you sound like <laughs> a conspiracy theorist. So, I wrote the book "The Devil Inside the Beltway" mm-hmm. because I wanted people to understand how the government operates, how outrageous it is, how different it is than what we are taught in civics class or what we're mm-hmm. taught as professionals. Or what we see on television. I just had never seen anything like it in my life. The the amount of rights that we absolutely do not have. Mm-hmm. And and that it's nothing more than them coming in to you your choice is basically cooperate or we're gonna run you to the ground. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna cost you a fortune and take away your attention from your business. And that's a lousy choice. I didn't see that as due process. And they're doing it to a cancer detection facility. At this point, now three years have passed, we have no victims, no never found the fault in cyberspace. No one's ever complained. I mean, we still don't think that it's it's out there, but we can't prove that. Mm-hmm. So you're also guilty till proven innocent. Right. So I wrote the book. The government sued me. 
The book came out three weeks later. I've been working on the book for a year and a half at this point. The book came out in late 2013. Mm -hmm. So I wrote The Devil Inside the Beltway. Didn't tell many people I was writing it. Had a lot of really good editors because I knew if I made an idiot of myself, it would really bomb. It had to be really level and credible and clear. Well, it it worked. (laughs) It worked better than I ever thought. Uh, They were really, really angry. Uh, They came at us with 40 depositions and subpoenas and, and, and just they were deposing nurses and doctors and clients and employees that left the company seven years before. I mean, they were on a scorched the earth fury about the book. And uh, and they were acting like we did something really wrong, yet they had no proof. And then a congressman, Isa, uh, who was the head of the Oversight Committee in Washington, got a hold of the book. And it turns out these people were also in front of him years past making representations under Congress at congressional oversight meetings and found out our file was put up in front of Congress and it was in Wired Magazine. And Tyversa was using our file that they quote-unquote found as an example. So this this created so much furor, the company really imploded from within because the press broke what was going on, and this just terrified the employees. You know, when you are the CEO and you say you've done nothing wrong, no one really believes you. <laughs> they think you're being coached by your defense lawyer. Uh-huh. This is a terrifying situation, and I can and, imagine. and here's seven hundred thousand cancer patients in our database, and really terror is burning right in front of you. And the company closed in January of two thousand fourteen. Uh-huh. That got press in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal, and so then I got a call in April from a guy named Rick Wallace, who uh-huh. says he worked at Tyversa for this guy Robert Bobek until uh-huh. the day before he called me. He had resigned, walked out. Because we had subpoenaed him, and he was told that he was going to have to lie under mm-hmm. his subpoena and support this false narrative that Tyversa was telling people. Mm-hmm. And that everything I said in the book is true, and it's worse than I would know, that our file was never out in cyberspace. It was all a lie. That he himself is personally wow. the person that broke into our computer. That he came in and stole it. He believes the FTC understands this. Uh, he said that the, that what they do is they were working with the FBI in Pittsburgh doing child porn investigations. And when they do that work, they were stealing the metadata from the child porn files. And they were adhering that metadata to the files they stole from businesses. And then they would call businesses up and say, hey, we found your file out in cyberspace, which it never was. And they'd have the metadata and to make it look like it was. And then they'd get these million-dollar contracts and to solve the problem and monitor it so it wouldn't happen again. And it was a great scheme mm-hmm. because it was 100% successful because it was never out there in the first place. So they always look like winners. And I'm thinking, you know, all these years of uh, fighting this legal battle, it, you must have had exorbitant legal costs. How did you... Uh, gather support to pay for this legal battle. Well, what happened was we only had, we had $3 million of medical malpractice, but we only had 250000 of liability because mm-hmm. who thought we'd need a lot of liability insurance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't underinsure, folks. <laughs> and so uh, we, I ended up going to Washington and meeting a lot of people because what I learned were things I never knew, which is about the administrative state. I mean, now it's in the lingo of the world, right? Swamp, deep state, administrative state. Mm-hmm. I, I, it wasn't in the lingo when I was fighting them, and, and I was, uh, I was engaging it personally and just dumbfounded by the power so I found it I found a um, a, a nonprofit law firm called cause of action mm-hmm. who gave us pro bono legal defense and 
And so when the FTC sued me, they were shocked to find that I had big backing on my side. And so, you know, Washington is not full of Democrats or Republicans. It's full of bureaucrats. Mm -hmm. And they're not Democrats and they're not Republicans. Mm -hmm. They're bureaucrats. And they think they're saving the world. And they're not elected. And if you threaten their power, they'll come at you. And that's what really happened. A war started between me and the Federal Trade Commission. Because now the company was destroyed and everyone lost their jobs and all the docs had to take off and then suddenly here comes this whistleblower and he's in, involved in a house oversight investigation and we have a hearing and all this is coming out that the federal trade commission is going after companies on cybersecurity enforcement based on evidence from a crook and they didn't verify it and the fact of the matter is our file was never out there mm-hmm. never floating and so the government bureaucrats can never put it in reverse or say they're wrong or apologize Mm -hmm. that will never 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 ever happen Mm -hmm. instead they just change their narrative saying you're guilty because it was hackable exposed and vulnerable data is a violation of the ftc act there's always some kind of loophole huh right well that starts getting everyone involved because now it used to be this entertaining story about this little entrepreneur in atlanta who just is so stubborn isn't that cute right (laughs) And now it's gone into, holy cow, the government thinks if we have data exposed or vulnerable, it doesn't even have to be breached. It doesn't have to be stolen. It doesn't have to be out there. That doesn't matter. You don't have to have a breach. If you just have sloppy practices, then you're guilty. But they won't tell you what sloppy practices are. Right. And they won't tell you what you're supposed to do. And they won't tell you what you've done wrong. It's just they get to decide in a case-by-case basis. This is insanity. And in medicine, we don't roll that way. Uh, but the government has so much power, the real world, the bitter truth is, is the only way to rein a government agency in is to fight them in court. And that takes decades, well, a decade and millions. Mm-hmm. So um, the company was destroyed. Here we have a House Oversight investigation, House Oversight testimony. I'm, you know, in my, in my naive mind, I thought, oh, okay, I'm in front of Congress and the press is here and I'm testifying and all this is going on and now this will go away. It didn't go away. They're utterly relentless. Um, the press didn't, the press gets confused and the press is afraid of the government too. Mm-hmm. So when the government's making a mistake, they'd rather just whistle past the graveyard and not say anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, we had to crawl through court and that took years and millions and, what people also don't understand, I certainly didn't, because we're not taught about this in civics books, is that all these agencies have their own courtrooms. They have their own judges. They have their own rules. Um, they're judge, jury, and prosecutor. And that's and, and you have to go through that administrative process. And the courts and Congress outside, like the courts we think of, mm-hmm. like the federal court and the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court, are not allowed to intervene on anything these agencies do until the agencies are done with you. So now we know why it takes so long to fight these. Uh, right. Well, then we'll also know why everyone signs off and, sa- and, and writes a check and walks away even mm-hmm. though they're not guilty. Because you can't afford it. It's right. like death or pay the bill. Mm-hmm. And they know this. Well, I did. I, the company lost, but the company's not gone. The company still exists. It's just in deep hibernation. Everyone lost their job. All, you know, everything's gone as far as the facility so cause of action paid for more and we fought all the way and we went i went on trial and the whistleblower came out and he got criminal immunity that took a year congress tried to get him criminal immunity the democrats didn't want him to, didn't want any of this out because it was the republicans idea we couldn't get criminal immunity f- through the house because we couldn't get the democrats to vote on it so it turned out the justice department swooped in 
and gave him criminal immunity. Gave and the judge ruled after hearing all that ruled heavily in LabMD's favor. So the Federal Trade Commission's own judge smacked down the Federal Trade Commission. Mm-hmm. So here comes the next weird thing. Now my book's out, you know, and people are reading the book. But the book ends when they sue me. But the but the book itself turns out to be some big catalyst, mm-hmm. and. Now people are confused because the commissioners overturned the judge. Yes, the commissioners are above their own judge. And the commissioners get to change findings of fact. So they, so all this trial, all these years that no one can intervene in, is just another torture chamber tool. Uh, and ultimately then if the commissioners want to change their mind, they do. Well... It, the, there was a study that was done in D.C. in 16, I think, showed that at the Federal Trade Commission, every time the last 20-something years, every time the FTC's lost in their own court, every time they overturn. Mm-hmm. Every time. Wow. And yet, and so once they overturn, then you're done with them. And then you can finally go to the Court of Appeals. It's the first courtroom that isn't really under their jurisdiction, right? And immediately the outside court stayed the case, said we had a high likelihood of winning, and then we went to the 11th Circuit Court and, and and started over with another briefing like crazy and all this stuff. People were so confused by the fact that the FTC could overturn their own judges and, and the fact that when they overturn their own judges and they, and they do that 100% of the time, half the time, the, the people that do appeal, half the time the FTC loses. Mm-hmm. So there's a big gap, mm-hmm. and there's a huge bias within the agency, and it's all basically punishment. They call it you know, pr- persecution through process. And the process is expensive, arduous, long, and everyone thinks you're guilty. Everyone. <laughs> so um, now we ended up in the 11th Circuit Court. We had oral argument in 2016. So notice how this is 2008, 2010, 2013, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Finally, you're in a, a, a court that that is not controlled by the agency. Eight years later, and we win. Awesome. And they don't make the decision until three months ago. Wow, we're just touching the fringes of all of it. And so now we've won, but what have we won? Mm-hmm. Because the company's gone. Everyone lost their job. You can't get that back. We're talking with Michael Doherty on Silver Lining in the Cloud, sponsored by CDI Managed Services. So, Michael, what does all of this mean to the business community regarding uh, regulation and cybersecurity? Can you speak on that? Yeah. So what it means now, which is really fresh in everyone's mind, because people are just going, oh, this must mean something other than a very entertaining sideshow. Mm-hmm. Because uh, people like to watch a battle. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the ruling stated that the Federal Trade Commission has been operating under an illegal process since they started regulating cybersecurity. That you can't have an agency. Uh, and agencies are required when they put these rules down. And they love to call them rules because they're not laws. Well, they're laws. But, if we, you know, laws are from Congress. So the Congress has empowered these people to make rules. And rulemaking is supposed to go, go through a public process. There's supposed to be notice. There's supposed to be a, a public response. The Federal Trade Commission did none of that. And then they, they are required, and the court said, they're required to be specific in what is required mm-hmm. in the law and what is required to comply with the law and what is required if you're not complying with the mm-hmm. law. 
So they said in the case of LabMD, all these issues that we brought up in the case, really they're not going to answer because the foundation is all they're going to deal with. And the foundation is the FTC has been on the wrong foundation forever. And so that's a big deal for everybody else because that gives everyone pushback. The Federal Trade Commission is going to have to decide, are they going to want to do what they've been doing all the time against the law? Because businesses roll over left and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, 99% of businesses roll over whether they're guilty or innocent because they just want to write the check and move on. Mm-hmm. And that's a good racket. The lawyers make money. The companies get to walk away. The regulators get to feel like they're saving the world. So we'll see what happens. But there's a big ruling to business people that's, that's saying, you can't do this. You've got to. You, you have to be specific. So, Michael, you are the only litigant to challenge the basic authority that underlies more than 200 enforcement actions relating to cybersecurity and online privacy that the FTC has brought over the past 15 years. Why were you so passionate about that fight? Because it was 700,000 cancer patients in the Uh database, and it was regulators without any health background Mm -hmm. um, coming into health. It was really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, It is really important. Um, Very, very, very few people sort of look the beast in their eyes. Mm -hmm. These are terrifying. I mean, I've worked in medicine for 30 years. These are terrifying people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and when I mean terrifying, I mean ignorance and professional arrogance. If you're out to save the world, which they think they are, you would think you'd care enough to actually research what you were doing. Here they parachuted in, to use one of the judge's words, into a medical facility without any medical background or technological background, and they destroyed it. And they consider that just you know, collateral damage to a bigger issue that they need to do. So they're fine with that. Mm -hmm. They're fine with it. They think that if I would have just rolled over, they wouldn't have had to destroy it. But it turns out that they were, there's no accountability in the government by and large at the federal level. And so it's a big deal when they get this much out of control Mm -hmm. that there's nothing you can do to them in the middle of their destroying a cancer detection center. It's still amazing to me. It actually is what spurs me on every day that this is absolutely not okay and that they are okay with it. That Mm -hmm. as long as there's fair notice, but these people got up in front of the 11th circuit and argued that they don't need to tell you what's expected of you, that you don't need to know. And then they can just tell you as they're prosecuting you. I mean, just let that sink in. So that's why that's so important, because this means that as we spend millions and millions of dollars in our companies, most of which are small companies that don't have that money to spend, mm-hmm. trying to get cyber secure, there's no such thing as, as a checkbox that's really accurate of what you're supposed to do. And they're more than willing to jump on you. And they'll jump after small business more often than big business because they want someone to buckle so they can make an example. They want to make examples of companies, and they want those mistakes published to other companies. And that's how they want other companies to learn what they're supposed to do. And so that's why they're okay with the carnage they create. And they'll take the small companies because they don't fight back as much. Big companies can either write the check quickly, or mm-hmm. but they also have huge means to fight back if they want to. Right, right. I was thinking the same thing. 
Michael, uh, the book, The Devil Inside the Beltway. Thank you so much for my copy, and I look forward to uh, adding it to the rest of my summer reads. Can you tell our listeners how they can get a copy or where they can find sure. this book? Um, so the easiest thing is it's at Amazon, and it's in hardcover and mm-hmm. softcover and audiobook, although mm-hmm. I'm not the reader, uh, and ebook and Kindle. And it's on, it's on there, Kindle, right now for $5.99. So... Um, but that's how it is. And, you know, the book is the book sells as well now as it did the day it came out in 2013 because it is a it's a it's a true to life actual story of this is how they do it. I mean, it's written like a novel and these the, the, there's a bunch of government documents that are really government documents in there. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones is when they they told us when the federal government told us do not use the U.S. Postal Service to send our information, they'd rather we use FedEx because U.S. Postal Service is too slow because it has to go through too much security to get it to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, these are this, these are. I'm telling you, there's just there's a million things like that where you're like, okay, I'm not in the real world. The business world versus the government world are are just you know Mercury and Pluto. Wow. Michael, I can't wait to have you back on to talk more about what the Cyber Education Foundation is going to be doing in the upcoming future. I want to thank you for a very uh, robust and lively interview today. And thank you again for being on Silver Lining in the Cloud. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. Again, thank you to our guest today, Michael Dougherty, CEO of LabMD and the Cyber Education Foundation. We appreciate what you do for the community. I'm Nicole Toptosh on behalf of CDI Managed Services. As a reminder, to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions, CDI Managed Services is your Silver Lining in the Cloud.